This is an uncensored podcast about sex, sexuality, gender, and body stuff. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the person or persons sharing them. Some names have been changed to protect the anonymity of its participants. Say something like quietly. Quietly. But like say it not holding the microphone because you probably won't be holding it the whole time. Okay, but don't hold it quietly. Is that quiet enough? Is this quiet voice? Is that your normal voice? Kind of, yeah, a little bit. Do you ever say anything loudly? (laughs) Yes. Okay. But I got to get excited. Oh, okay. (laughs) So we'll, we'll work on that. So this woman is the woman we've hired to put in our underground or to fix our underground sprinkler systems in the whole HOA. And she's been working on them for about two years. And like, it's not ever worked. And every time she comes, she'll say, the problem is right here. I need to, I need to, she's like, I need to wrap up your bushes so that I don't have to cut the bush apart. I have to be able to get underneath it. Cause this is, this is where the main pump is. Kind of sounds like collecting a t- paycheck for like two years i am like because like i'm not sure she's doing anything if it's two years i'm not sure sprinklers. she's doing anything and i will give her this like she hasn't been working on them the whole time i've lived here but um and then there was a time when they said they worked i've never ever seen sprinklers working in my yard ever i've lived here for six years like i said and then one time like this thing over here behind the house got hit by lightning Apparently that fried like all of the sprinklers, and I heard it was like <laughs> an explosion. The non-existent sprinkler, right? So, and it's possible that the sprinklers come on early in the morning when I'm not awake, or at least I wasn't back then because I didn't have a job. Um, I also never knew that we had landscapers because <laughs> I was never awake when they would come. But anyway, this woman comes every time, and she always wants to tell me what's going on. Like, I know you're lying. <laughs> Like, I don't want to know, and you want to tell me. So you're making shit up. Now she's taking a photograph of my house. And she seems kind of cool. Like, her phone rang, and it was the theme song to Nightmare Before Christmas. Hmm. What's that theme song? Oh, my God. I feel like I've played enough of that Kingdom Hearts level that it should be seared into my brain. Do you want to use your real name? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that'll be fun. Ooh, I'll, I'll try to talk nice about my parents. <laughs> Me. Well, they might not ever hear it. I'm not like that famous yet. Oh, yeah, that is true. Never mind. I'll, I'll talk whatever about my parents. She talks so much trash. I talk trash about my family all the time, and they're well aware that I have a podcast. Actually, I don't know if my brothers are. They're very, like, they have no idea what I'm doing. Hey, I haven't. I never really had to, like, yeah, deal with, like, putting out like, super personal stuff, except for, like, those, those poems that I made 
and like having other people involved in it. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's weird to think that like yeah, just like I have to think about how those people would react to now having like this outside audience in their life. Well, you had your grandmother at your reading. That is true. So, but Did I didn't like write a poem about her. No, but you talked about like pussy for a second. I did, <laughs> and she I feel has. Like she's one. used to it, from oh. me, which is which is weird. But are you I, really close with her? I, actually, yeah. So yeah. like, she's she's seen a lot from me. So I think like she's she's fine. I I grew up with her, and I feel like she raised me a teeny bit more than my parents. So like, okay. that's that whole situation. Why my parents weren't there? <laughs> so you have like a multi generational house situation, or, like living. Yeah. Situation. Yep, yep. That's very common. And then when your parents are off trying to, like, make their lives happen, were they, like, young parents? Yeah. Yeah. Then your grandma was there. I had old fucking parents, so... I mean, they were still off doing their thing, but then they just hired a woman to take care of me. Yeah. Yeah, when my grandma wasn't there, that's what they did, too. They hired a nanny for, like, a year or two, summer or two. It was was a short time. Yeah. Um, That was when we were kids, though. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I have... Three brothers, and then a secret other side of my family where I have half-siblings that I don't know who they are. <laughs> because your father remarried, or? Because, yeah, my mom remarried. Mom remarried. Yeah. Why do I assume your father remarried? Such a sexist. Oh. It would have been weird. If, like, I mean, it's usually like the dad goes off and has like a second family, and then you find out later. Is, is that the usual thing? I don't know. It is in, like, the world of television. That's the where I live. True, true, true. I don't live here. <laughs> um, so your name's Luciano. Yeah. And I met Luciano. you at a writing open mic. Yay. Which I have now... Are we allowed to use the name of that establishment? We can. Oh, wait, the restaurant or the group? Yeah. Oh, I guess either. I mean, like, we can. I have to remember the... Um... It's Funky Fish Camp Reading Series, technically. I was calling it, like, Freaky... I remember freaky, I remember fish. fish. I was calling it, like, Freaky Fish Club. Freaky Fish Club. Funky, funky Fish Club? F- camp. Funky Fish Freaking Club Camp. What is the camp? Is it, like, campy? Or is it, like, are we spending the night? You know, it is, it is a... It, the title is Camp. The maybe double maybe, maybe it is just like, oh, that's the signal to the queer people people that it's like camp, camp. Like oh. the secret camp, the gay camp, instead yeah. of like summer retreat camp. Because like, it's not, because be like, like, yeah, we're not staying there or anything. We just show up. Should be called like faggy queer <laughs> circle. <laughs> funky fags. <laughs> reading funky, circle. <laughs> funky fag fun. That'd be good. Um, so you are a poet. Is that what you say? Are you a writer? I'm, I'm novelist. It's weird. I, I feel like I like reclaiming the whole I'm a philosopher. Okay. <laughs> and, and we go we go all old style with that. I like that. And I guess I'm like, I don't know. I've been thinking recently, and I think like poetry is an extension of philosophy, mm. which I feel like some people would like kill me for saying that but i don't know um maybe it's because i think of so many things are just extensions of philosophy in general because like 
Yeah, and then what is song but poetry? So isn't song not also an extension of philosophy? But like, I don't know. That's funny because I had a, well, I went to a music school and I had, I took a poetry class with this guy who was like really awesome. His name was Pat. Whoops. His name was oh. Pat. Okay. Hi, Pat. <laughs> Pat, what was his last name? I suck at names. Like people knew him. Like he did stuff. Like he might have maybe like wrote a song that was famous or something. Okay. Oh, his name was Pat Patterson. Pat I kept wanting to say Robertson, and I wasn't going to let it happen because like, I'm pretty sure that's someone else. Yeah, Robert Patterson is that Twilight. Robert guy? Patterson is Twilight. That's Twilight. Pat Robertson yeah. is like an evangelist, like a televangelist. Okay. Okay. But Pat Patterson was my poetry one and two teacher in college. Pat Patterson. Patterson. Pat, Pat Patterson. Now people are going to look at him. He's probably dead. He was like old. <laughs> what if he's not dead? And then I hope he hears less. <laughs> but he, he maintained that like one of the best writers in the world was Eminem, which is like, I mean, I don't love Eminem, but he does write a mad rhyme. Like, yeah, like I can't deny that when I first heard like Rap God or whatever, I don't know if that's what the song is called, that it wasn't like absolutely captivating. Mm. Like his his rhymes do kind of go hard. Yeah. Maybe it's just the beats that suck. I don't know what happened to Eminem, really. I don't know either. Other than he's like he's generally his hair too, so I don't know. He isn't very like cool. But. Yeah. He probably comes like really fast. <laughs> It's like kind of airy. I can't imagine him with another like human like, being for some eh. reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I can imagine him. Like, being I can just... only see him in bed rapping at a woman. Or yeah, yeah. I just I imagine him being really ornery all the time, like not feeling like like not tonight. Oh yeah. And she's like, but I want to pop this pussy, and he's like, no, <laughs> you're not gonna get your pussy popped tonight. <laughs> So, now, babe, I'm working on music. So Probably something like that because I feel like that's you know. <laughs> I feel like I don't maybe know how lived with the music person. That's what it would be like. <laughs> I was just like struggling to remember how we started talking about Eminem. Um, Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson, yes. Who he said that he was a great writer. He used to tell me that like, or he used to tell the whole class. He was not just talking to me. I was in a classroom. Um, he used to say that like songwriting and poetry were not the same thing and i don't know if that's mm. like um like a a rectangle a, a square is a rectangle but a rectangle is not a square like maybe like song is a kind of poetry but maybe poetry is broader than song i don't know they are kind of different i mean like songs have very like strict kind of structural rules yeah i think the big thing that's different between like po the poem and the song is like okay you got all of the different like rhyme structure and like rules and stuff going on with both but then the song has the added needing to like mesh well with the beat and melody and like everything else going on in a song and like poetry will just never be there because that's like a new medium almost for poetry yeah. i want to i want to call it even though like there is spoken poetry but like you can't like you shouldn't just read a song like you know yeah so the the music, the beat, and all that stuff is what makes the song a song. So maybe it is, yeah, like like you're saying, like square record. I mean, they both have to be like read aloud. They both have to be like verbalized. Yeah. They're very very similar. But 
I don't know that I'm good at writing either of them. I've tried. I've tried both. Um, so what kind of poetry like do you like to write? <laughs> do I like to... Or do you write other kinds of literature that aren't poems? Po- do you say that? Uh, poem? Poem. Um, Does anyone say that in your department? Not that I know of. Not yet. Poem. Oh. I had t- I'm gonna I'm gonna say that and like pronounce it only like the throughout the whole program. See if anyone makes me stop. Yeah. Also, I had a professor that used to say genre, genre, genre instead of genre. What is that? You just the would say French genre. Or it might genre. be it might be more similar to the pronunciation of the French Wait word. Wait a second. Yeah, it's, pro- it's probably a French word, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't consider that. I was like, the worst, genre is totally an English word, and then my brain was like, wait a second. All the worst words are French. Yeah, pretty I, I, I like like the French words, menage et toi. Like that's that's fun. That's a fun one. Yeah, I mean in practice. Yeah, depending on who's involved. In yeah, depending. I don't know even one person. No, I could get like at least two other people together. That I know of. It's hard. It's like, like, yeah, that type of thing is, I feel like it's like trying to plan a party for close friends and you got to make sure everybody gets along and that everything's like yeah. really cool. And I think then, at least in my young life, it's been hard to find that kind of like the energy that mash, meshes well. That, that is like a, like an art, like trying to plan a party and like get a guest list that's like good. I've had the worst trouble with that because I always used to say, oh, fuck it. And I would just invite anyone. And like there was like a civil war practically at every party. It was like. Yeah, it's just some. I really want it really badly. I feel like for everyone to be friends that I know, like I'm, I meet a lot of cool people and I'm like, it'd be cool if all these cool people liked each other and got along super well in a like social setting. And then I stick them all together and it does not happen like that yeah because like i think that like oh maybe the common denominator of like being my friend or something mm-hmm. it will like be something for them to initially bond over and then they can move on from differences then but like no one would think but that just what's going to happen is this side's going to come to you and say what the fuck's up with that side like you're going to be the complaint department the whole party yeah, and you're going to be you- like i must remind you that you're a fucking adult you could talk to a person you don't know, by the way. Yeah. Or just, like, I don't know, monitoring, like, energy in a room when people don't want to, like, say that out loud to anyone. And especially because they're like, oh, I don't want to bother the host about it. So they, like, oh, you have the person who's telling, like, bad jokes. And then, like, the people who are, like, cringing in the corner. And you're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> this isn't going well. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I think, like, even as adults, like, if we can give our power to someone else, even for a second, we're just like, oh, take it. Take the reins. Like, I don't have to worry about this right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it is funny, yeah, how much, like, people are like, oh, I want power and control. Or maybe that's just me in my own mind. But, like, I think more often people want to relinquish control than have more. I mean, like, when it comes to, like, like, who's going to plan what we're going to eat for dinner? It's like, ugh, can someone please just pick a restaurant? It's not me. Mm. I would love that. I used to eat out, like, a lot when I lived in New York, and it was just like, I would pay someone. Stop it. I would pay someone to just, like, pick a restaurant. And then I'm the worst, because I'll be like, oh, no, you pick. I can't. I just absolutely can't. And then they'll be like, okay, let's go eat here. And I'll be like, 
ugh, no, not that. Like, I am the worst, actually. <laughs> Fuck. Um, okay, so you live, how long have you lived here? Did you move here to go to college? No, I moved here, my family moved down here technically to see our grandparents more. Um, it was in 2015, so it's been eight years, I think, okay. that I've been down here. So I, like, right in the middle of high school, moved down here, no friends or whatever, just straight from Maryland to just pure Southern culture. Yeah. Ended up being here. And it's been it's been a trip. <laughs> How long had you been in Maryland? In, in Baltimore? Um, let's go... I actually straight up don't know how long I lived there. Like a long time? Yeah, it, it was... Like when you were like a child? Yeah, from oh. when I was young. Because I've, I've moved around quite a bit. Because before that, we lived for like a year or two in New Jersey. Um, oh. And then that I barely remember. But even before well, that, you. I was born in Brazil. So, All right. So, yeah. So and I know Brazilian. I lived there until I was four-ish. And you speak Portuguese and English. Yep. Do you speak Spanish? Yeah, I, I speak a little Spanish. I took German in high school. Oh, um, speaks to Deutsch? What? Yeah. Speaks to Deutsch? Yeah, I speak Deutsch. You speak Deutsch? I speak ein bisschen Deutsch. I speak so little that that's all I know. Oh, this is good. We've like, just covered all of what I can say. I feel like I always like, because like, I feel like that sometimes, in like all my languages, I always feel like I'm like faking it anyway. <laughs> but, um, ein Café, bitte? <laughs> yeah, like I feel like that's enough to get around in Germany. I always think if you at least know how to say ambition, like, ambition, <laughs> Entschuldigung. Um, I literally, every time I would, because I, I went to Germany for a semester in college, and every time I would try to speak German, they'd go, okay. Like, that's, that's fine. Thanks, sweetie. Yeah. We'll speak to you worst. in English. And, like, I feel like, oh, with the culture in Germany, they definitely would treat you more like that if you tried speaking German there. Because, like, I've noticed when I travel, like, I went back to Brazil in 2018 that, like, actually a lot of people abroad have this thing where they're, um, they're like, not comfortable talking to you if they don't think you're comfortable talking in the language like so they'll just switch to english if they can like yeah. i'll start speaking in portuguese and they're like we don't you don't need to we can speak in english and i'm like i want to speak in portuguese because i need the practice like yeah and they don't realize like they're doing you like more of a disservice and then like, like i'm trying to immerse literally and yeah. in germany they have like such a hang up about like rules and such that i think like they're very they because, like, I even had a German teacher who, like, got a little bit insulted sometimes when someone would butcher the language. Because, like, I don't know, it's very personal to them. Was your teacher actually German? Or was it, like, an American person? I think she lived in Germany for a while. She definitely, like, had some German heritage. And then okay. lived here, though. But, like, she was she was a great teacher, though. I love her. Um, I don't want to name her on here because I don't want to name her I feel her like you had the same teacher I had because everything you're saying, like, sounds just like Frau Barnes. Was it I did Frau not have Frau Barnes, Barnes actually. Um, well, Frau Barnes used to yell at me because I would like come to class with a coffee and have like one of those little coffee straws, and I would just like chew on it because like anything to stay awake in class because I was a terrible student, um, and I was I think I have narcolepsy or something. Um, I don't, but she was like, "That's disgusting! Like you keep putting that straw in your mouth and then taking it out and putting it back in your mouth," and I was like. That's literally what you do with straws. Yeah, I feel like that's just like a chewy st- 
Mexicans think. I don't get why a professor would care about stuff well, like that. Well, nobody cared about, like, what would a student need to be more comfortable in class back then. This was a while ago. Uh, like, you know, like, if I needed like, a fidget spinner or, like, know. some bubble poppy thing, like, they would be like, get rid of that. Like, I'm like, even if it wasn't in vogue for people to, like, <clears throat> I don't know, care about, yeah, like, stimming stuff. Not that I don't... Not that I really think most people know that, like what that is, but like if I was a professor, I wouldn't I wouldn't care if like you're fidgeting like the whole time. Like I don't know. Like for me, like learning is up to the student mm. in the first place anyway. So whatever they're doing in my class, like I'll engage them if they want to engage. But like if they're doing something else or whatever, like I don't know, just let them be. Yeah, like, it could be could be for worse, could be, be for better. Like not my call to make because like especially in college, like you're adults, right? So it's like you're the one paying to be here. I had a teacher once, like, because I was a ballet dancer, and we would dance at, like, like 7 in the morning, or probably, like, 8 in the morning, but it felt like 5 in the morning. And she was, like, if you would yawn in her class, like, if you would receive more oxygen for your brain, she would take it as, like, a personal assault. And she'd be like, no yawning in my class. And it doesn't matter if, like, she had just yelled at a person five minutes ago. She would yell at every single person she saw yawn and she'd be like that is so disrespectful yes with me like people gotta like have like this extra control with stuff like that it disrupts the class more yeah for you to like have to like oh i have to show my my like authority here and whatever to get the students to listen to me yeah i don't know i don't think that's how you get authority or how you teach well i wish i had just like squatted down in like a wide second plie and just like peed in the middle of that class because <laughs> it would have been just like let our bodily functions happen <laughs> i i love that the image of just like peeing in a that's in a why class, like that's why there's no time machines because i would use it to go back and do shit like that yeah yeah I, th- I think i would too that's one of my biggest things that i found out and i'm super glad moving forward because like i'm going into grad school oh yeah and like going into it with this idea in my head will be very fun which I'm like, I, I wish in high school and stuff, wait, can I curse? I can curse, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I had fucked around more. Like, I realized how little consequence there is <laughs> yeah. for, like, just, I don't know, just doing shit and just, like, like, I walked out of, like, assemblies and stuff in high school, but I could have done worse. But, like, there just aren't consequences for that stuff, really. And, like, I just do it. Yeah. I don't know. How old are you? Are you like 20? I'm 23. 23. Yay. So are you a Gen Z? Yes. I was born in 2000. That's insane. Yeah. So I was, I, that's so I funny. don't remember the towers, but they're funny to me, which I think that's like the, maybe that's why you that's left New Jersey. That's the generational marker is, is 9-11 funny. Like nowadays. Gen Zs think it's funny. Yeah. We literally, we do. <laughs> like. I mean, they were making and jokes about it on like, Family Guy, like, in 20, 2005 or something, so it's fine. Yeah. And, like, I feel like maybe we'll, we'll get there one day where, like, 9-11 is funny to everyone, but that's going to be a while because, like, yeah, it's it's funny how much of, like, the adults tried to make us understand how traumatic it was, but, like, it just didn't come across, across. and so now it comes, it's, like, we used it as a punchline when we were younger, and now it just is that i made like an aids joke yesterday like i'm like so oh insensitive it's funny because i'm way more sensitive about aids than i am about 9-11 which yeah there's a lot of reasons for that like, i mean like 
honestly, here's the deal. So many people act like 9-11 was, like, personal for them, and it really wasn't. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. Like, I was living in the woods in northern Michigan when it happened, and, like, it was actually the first day of high school. It was my first day of high school at a boarding school. And so everyone freaked out. Everyone was, like, calling their – they made everyone call home or whatever – but I knew people that were, like, in my grade that had parents that, like, worked in the towers. So, like, because it was, like, an international boarding school. And um, so that was the only thing. But, I mean, none of, none of my family members were anywhere near there. Nobody, like, went to war afterwards, like, you know, that I know. You know, like, it really wasn't personal. I think people just, like, they identify too much with their country and they're like, this was an attack on America. Yeah, I think it was that very, like, and maybe that's why also we're very, like, I feel like my my generation, at least a good bit of us, are, is, like, really burnt out, out on the nationalism. Oh, like, yeah. Of stuff to be like, what does it even mean to any of us to be American at this point? And we really don't yeah. feel like a united front or whatever. So 9-11, once again, like, I feel like that's where it hits the hardest. And, like, because, yeah, for a lot of people, it wasn't personal. But, like... AIDS is different because, like, yeah, ugh. AIDS is different, and also like it was a time when like the the society we live in now, which I don't think is that much different, like just completely ignored people dying. Yeah, I don't that we would that we like in our community. Literally, Tulsi, stop it! We're talking about AIDS. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like that whole thing. I feel like AIDS, too, is one of those things that, like, we, like, somewhere deep down know can happen again in a weird way. Of, yeah. Like, I mean, we already saw it with, like, COVID, essentially. But, and like, monkeypox for, like, a second. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, all these people know, getting... There's a, there's a few. There's a few like, outbreaks, right? That, like, if it was in a vulnerable community, like, we just ignored it. And it happened, like, after AIDS. And, like, yeah. And stuff. Are, you, are you vaccinated for monkeypox? I actually don't know. I mean, I think I probably, you would have had to have gotten I, it recently. I probably, I feel like I probably have it because, like, I was a kid then, maybe. No, but like, monkeypox monkey like just happened. What do you mean just? Happened? It was this one that just happened. Like, there was an outbreak of it, and they they got it under control. It was after COVID, and it was really? like a lot of like queer people were getting it, like in big cities. Oh, never mind. I remember this. Yes, I am vaccinated for that. You did I, just get it. What? You would get, like, big boils, like, on your face and arms no, and shit? No, I never got it, but I remember getting right. vaccinated when I first heard about it because... It's fucking terrifying. something around that. Yeah, because, like, I heard the news again, and it was like, oh, this is happening with gay men, so, like, yeah. let me just... We're just gonna make sure I never get this, and I went and got vaccinated right away. It's, like, so painful. It's, like, basically, like, shingles, but, like, way more bulby. E. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't look pretty in the pictures, though. Like, <sighs> it looked so bad. Like it was like on TikTok. I was like, I can't get monkeypox, but I'm not actually vaccinated because I haven't had sex in like ten years. So what? But you guess you don't have to have sex to like get monkeypox. You could just like rub your face in someone's cleavage or something. Yeah. Which I have also not done for like ten years. Oh, what, what what's up with the the dry spell? Is it? It's definitely not ten years, but I moved here. And um, <laughs> that's the saddest thing I've ever. So in a sad, while, but like so relatable. <laughs> that was like the premise of like why I started this podcast because I was like, ah, hi, I never have sex, but I'd like to talk about it. Um, yeah, I know it's very, 
like this community is all white. They're all old. Yeah. They all drive white cars, which is really weird. <laughs> um, there's so many older white guys on Grinder, and like I feel, and I feel we get truckers. I got a trucker once, which I did write about. He was in my poem. Yeah, that guy was nasty. Yeah, <laughs> I mean truckers are nasty. Yeah, they they're just in there. Their balls are vibrating all day long in that big old. Like, I'm one of those people who like I like nasty just a little bit. I like I feel like that's kind of why I'm right. a man. A teeny bit is like I like like musk and like all that stuff. But yeah. Like, but also sometimes there's too nasty where I'm like, hmm, like you didn't take a shower in maybe a day or two, huh? <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who's like really turned on by homeless guys, and I'm like, I don't think it's the smell of it that he's turned on by. I think he's like the concept of. Yeah. Something like that. And I'm like, I get that, maybe, but... There's, like, complex reasons for why why you float towards one demographic. And I feel like I I really don't have, like, sex with, like, people that I find nasty or whatever that much, even though, like, that is, like, a thing for me or whatever. A little bit. I mean, I just... It's, like, smegma light, you know? Not, like, too much. Just, like, a little... I don't know. Forgivable, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I've I've lived. I mean, you've lived in Baltimore. You've lived in cities. I've been on a subway train where like a man like made the whole car smell like ass cheese. It was just like so bad. Like I've seen people run out of subway cars like screaming because it smelled so bad. Maybe not screaming, <laughs> but like but yeah, I like, fleeing from the sun because like I know yeah it was the there were fleas for sure. Um, it's just so the possibilities of a human not showering for a week is like maybe not so bad, but like a, a human not showering for months, it's bad. Wow. It's bad. Yeah, I I guess I'm one of those people who can't like imagine living without a shower. Like I can skip one day for a shower maybe. And then after that, like I'm I feel disgusting. So like I have to. Well, when you shower. live here, like, you have to shower, like, because there's, like, a film on your skin. That is true. I feel like, and I'm, like, my, my mom always, like, said we have, like, people in my family have good skin because, like, we're really oily. <laughs> um, and, like, yeah, I get really oily. I, like, it's funny. I was about to say when I was little and I had long hair, but now I have long hair again. Mm-hmm. But, like, I can't leave my hair alone for too long or it gets, like, greasy. And I remember that's when, when I was a kid, I always, like, washed it every day because of that. Mm-hmm. It's just, like it would like grease up my pillow and I was like, ew. But. I have a friend like that. She washes her hair every day with shampoo and she's the most gorgeous hair. I literally can't shampoo more than like once a week because my hair is so dry. Yeah. Mine's really dry too. So I like do like twice a week or so, but like, yeah, but I, I try and try and get it wet. <laughs> well, with long hair, you kind of like want to shampoo, like maybe the roots where the oil comes yeah. from and then like keep the, ends of your hair not maybe condition the ends or something yeah that's what i used to tell people when i worked in a beauty supply store it's not what it was i worked at lush cosmetics and i would like tell people what to do with their skin and hair all the time yeah never understood like beauty product stuff but like i'm glad that like since I, I like essentially grew up as, as a girl and all that stuff, like I'm glad I never bought into like the whole like makeup craze and stuff when I was younger. 
partially because like I always wanted to be like the boys in that like I just want to run around mm-hmm. like I don't want to have to do anything before I go run around especially like as a kid or whatever mm-hmm. so makeup never really was an interest to me until I started doing it for fun in college right. and then I was like oh this is actually like getting ready and like looking pretty when I go out is part of the going out now probably because I'm not rolling around in the grass anymore but yeah <laughs> like yeah I love like first of all I love Gen Z so there's compliment number one <gasps> Yay. um I think we're pretty okay I feel like I just want to like hold space for you guys to be amazing like Yay. I've never and I, I like love that feeling too because like you know I could also be like oh, I'm, um, like, this is my life. This life is all about me. And, like, everything that came before me was, like, to prepare me for what I need to do. But, like, I do feel this, like, like, I'm, like, an older ancestor of Gen Z, and I feel this, like, pride in that. I, like, love it. Like, love Gen Z. Me and all my friends, like, love Gen Z. Wow. We're, like, you guys need to, like, fucking shine. Are you, you, like, technically in the, like, millennial bracket? I guess. I'm a millennial. Okay. So I was about to say, like, yeah. It's funny because that's the vibes I get with millennials. Because, like... We like you. Like, yeah, it's, like... Boomers older, don't. Older sibling vibe. Yeah, boomers don't like you. But boomers don't like millennials either. Yeah. Gen... And that's, like, the thing is, I feel like I always... I grew up seeing millennials being, like, hated on so much by... Yeah. Like, parents and older people. And, like, that I was just, like, y'all, like, give it a rest. Like, they're chill. <laughs> like, I know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was... I was watching this thing and I believe everything I see on the internet, this guy was like, like the average single person during like the, at the hardest point of the great depression made like $4,000 a year. And if you adjust that for inflation, that would be like making $88,000 a year nowadays. So like I make like 20 to 30,000 a year. And so like, being you know, how people used to have living conditions to a certain degree. Back I know. I think what happened was, like, when the, when the Great Depression happened, they were just also, like, flummoxed by, like, they went from making a lot of money to making, like, less. So everyone was like, ah. And there was probably a ton of people starving. Yeah, there, there were. Because, like, I think the underclass exploded and, like, the, you know, middle class maybe shrunk a little bit during the Depression. Yeah. I, I do not know enough about depression history. Other than, like, I can see then where living on credit probably really got popular, like, after that credit pop happened. Because, mm-hmm. like, I feel like that's what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> oh, that's what I did in my 20s. I lived on yeah. fucking credit cards. I've been, I didn't realize that you could do that until very recently, too. So I was, like, just paying up front for everything. And then I, like, kind of realized how to use my credit card more. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can buy things that I can't afford technically. Yeah. So I can live like a little better, but there's a cost. <laughs> you have to pay it off later. You have to pay it off later, exactly. But I'm like, but this is like a very I did I feel like I'm accessing like a little bit of a higher standard of living. Yeah. Recently because of that. But it's also like really scary because I that's why I never use credit is because like I recognize it's like it's so not real. It's so yeah. I don't have any of that money really on me. And, and it's, it's, like, very scary to go month to month, like, dealing with it. And it's all, like, just, you know, another way for, like, the system to have you. And, like, you know, debt is, like, a huge part of capitalism. Um, well, so I think, like, that's the, the, the beef between boomers and millennials is that, like, 
they just assume we're not like trying hard enough and we're like no bitch we'd have to try like five times harder than you did to make what you made literally and i don't even know what gen z is gonna get but um it's like hard we're all just gonna have to live in communes that job market there's like no job market (laughs) there really isn't with the like it's like it's so funny because I I've like kind of wanted to be like oh long term maybe like I'll be a professor or something and then I see like older people writing about how there's no money in being a professor but like it seems like a lot of money to me right now and I'm like what is there gonna be for me if there's already like no money in being a professor I think there probably is I just don't know how many like opportunities there are that too is that like yeah there's I I've seen academia now like a little bit closer and. It, yeah, watching them do their interviews and all that stuff, it's abysmal. Like, <laughs> it's its awful. What is, I had a professor who, I'm, I'm debating uh, how many details to divulge, because like, I might work with her in the future. <laughs> yeah. But um, who had to do interviews for, like, incoming, like, faculty and stuff. Uh, and it was like ridiculous how many interviews she was like booked for, knowing that only like one person's gonna fill this position, and how and how many candidates they went through. Mm. And I'm like, this is like so competitive, but also like really unfair because like the interviewers are getting like they get interviewed like over weeks, over like the course of a day, and they have to like fly in for these interviews and all this stuff. And it's super inconvenient for them, but also, like, the interviewee, interviewers themselves are tired, like, of interviewing. So it's like, you could just get a bad draw and end up with a day that your interviewer really doesn't want to listen to you or something, and then you just don't get this job. It's all based on, like, vibes. And these people have, like, really good credentials, but, Mm. like, they're just like, yeah, it's a gamble for them still, like, and I'm like, that's, like what we're going into except i'm not even there yet so it's like right. i don't even know what my resume is supposed to look like to be able to get over something like that like <laughs> and i feel like there's all these ways for people to like it's not nepotism but like yes. if you're sleeping with someone like maybe you put them up for the job I or mean, like i have noticed that like, it's way more about networking now and mm-hmm. like you have to build everything like yourself like i think it's just knowing the right people a lot mm-hmm. of the times, like, if you see a job open and you you knew the person who's offering the job and, like, they know work you did, like, I feel like that's partially why I've been staying with Coastal is just because, like, I have so many connections there that, like, I can make a little bit more money than trying to go to any new place. Like, yeah. I probably, I'm worth a lot more than Coastal. <laughs> and I could get into a better program, but... I don't know if I want to fly blind with like not knowing the city that I'll be in, not knowing the people in the city, not knowing any of my coworkers or whatever. Right. Like that's been a big thing. I think that's been keeping me from moving, but like I'm going to move soon. What's it like to be like, what, like what's the queer culture like at Coastal? Is it like, Uh, it's so it's funny because I think it does reflect, it's like the younger version of the queer culture here where it's like, I feel like it cycles out because nobody wants to stay in Myrtle Beach, especially young people. Right. It's like, yeah, all these cute little young queers who don't know anything about anything, including sex. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I've been, I've been a few people's first 
a lot. Um, Just like recently? Not super recently, but like <laughs> when I was doing the college thing and exploring and just like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. But then like also since nobody wants to stay, like there is kind of a community, but it's constantly on refresh. And like you have to be really involved with the coastal community to still know what's going on. I feel like I'm starting to fall away and I'm only like 23, but I feel like I'm too old for them mm-hmm. like at this point. And like, they just keep getting younger. Yeah, and, and like, on it. the conversation was like how queer people are discussing queerness, I guess, and then like, oh, all the different biases within the community. It's kind of bad with like the young queer people because it's like, um, I feel like they're still really boxed. They think everything is really neat and in boxes because they haven't interacted with other queer people before. Oh, so like they come from like their little small towns wherever, and then they're this yeah. first time in college. They haven't maybe Especially like if they're from in the south too. Oh shit! Like yeah, they don't have any idea of like actually being part of a queer community. So that's their first time, and so like every semester, it's a refresh on what new disaster is this queer community gonna be. There's so much drama. Yeah, so much drama. Well, it's funny because oh, there's probably drama in any marginalized community right yeah um it's funny because well i think two things about that one um i think that says something about how like you're not gay because you know someone made you gay like most queer people are raised in very heterosexual environments and we're still queer and they and they come into like queer spaces with that heterosexual mindset still a lot of the time yeah and it at worst, at at best, it's just like a little ignorance that they have to get over, or whatever. But at worst, like they end up offending somebody or hurting somebody else because of it, yeah. and then that's where the drama like starts. But I guess that's like I what think. college is for—is like expanding your mind and your worldview. Yeah, it's like the first time you left home, and it's hard to believe that's true. College was a while ago for me. I also went to like three different colleges, wow. and only finished one. Um, so anyway. The other thing that I was thinking is, like, from my standpoint as, like, a millennial and, like, kind of an early millennial, um, I'm, like, super old. I just look really good. Um, we look at Gen Z and we're, like, oh, my God, they're, like, challenging, like, gender. They're, like, doing all this shit. Like, fashion's, like, really cute. Like, we're just, like, we're, like, Gen Z's mommy. Like, we like they couldn't do anything wrong in our eyes. We're, like, we love you so much. And so, like, I see you kind of, like, fucking gender up, like, personally. Yeah. Do you feel like you're fucking gender up? I do feel like I am. Because I feel like I've, <laughs> I've always been that way. And I feel like, like, I, I attribute it a lot to, like, my autism and, like, not having, like, a very different sense of social awareness ever since I was little mm-hmm. that I think showed how I was thinking about gender really early on, um, as like, I think I've always viewed it as like an ancillary like thing, if that makes sense. Like it's, I'm me and then gender is like kind of a bunch of different things you can do <laughs> almost or mm-hmm. can like look like or like perform. And I think I've always thought of it like that. Just I always was like forced into being one presenting gender one way or another. And now that I can just do it, however, it's kind of just like, yeah, I wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, what's what's going on today, whatever's with the flow of things. Yeah. What are we going to do today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. 
Sorry, that was my phone. <laughs> I thought I silence that. That sounds like like certain podcasts actually have sound effects, and that sounded like the perfect sound effect for a podcast. Yeah. Um. So your pronouns are he him. Yeah. You don't use they ever. I'm like comfortable with using they and she. I don't know why I don't like they. <laughs> I don't love they. Also, I'm like non-binary, but I don't love they. Maybe it's because, like, I feel like a lot of genders have a culture around them, which mm-hmm. is, like, I think a very unspoken thing sometimes about gender, is that they all have an aesthetic that goes with them. And they, they, them is weird because, like, yes, it's always been there in terms of, like, the grammar has always been there because I, I get heated about that. Like, they, them has always been uh, singular, um, been able to be used as singular. But, like, the idea around what does they, them mean for gender is kind of new again for us. Like, so it's hard figuring out what what it means to, like, oh, use the pronouns they, them, or what you're supposed to present as. Or, mm. um, and I feel like right now it's, like, it's very dominated. Cause like, it's all optics, like, later. <laughs> yeah. And it's very dominated by, like, young, skinny, white people who stay indoors i don't know <laughs> like I, I think of frogs for some reason frogs yeah frogs when you think of young skinny white people yes like lab frogs and and, and the pronouns they them like i mentioned oh. a young skinny white person with a frog beanie and they used they them and maybe they're a starbucks barista i don't know oh okay <laughs> like i do i feel like like a lot of genders like like, I don't know, man is, like, a really big category, and then, like, woman is a really big category that's broad, too. And then there's all these, like, subsections. But, like, I just, in my head, I don't have, like, a huge base for, like, oh, the non-binary, they, them, mm-hmm. gender section. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like I know that gender is a spectrum. I know that sexuality is a spectrum. I know, like, everything's on a spectrum. Yeah. But... Like, most people don't accept that. And so, it's like, I'm sitting here with the truth, but, like, if no one else knows it, then, like, what am I supposed to tell them? Like, that's a huge responsibility. Because that's, like, part of the game, too, of it all. That, like, you can view it as a spectrum and all that, but you have to always remember that, like, people around you are trying so hard to group you into a binary that's in their head. Right. And then, like, that affects every social interaction, though. And so, like... Like, I feel like that's partially why I don't, like, I use he, him, and I would use she, her, but I don't tell people that because I know it's easier for them to default to the he, him, I think, Mm -hmm. and to get the general gist of where I'm coming from more with he, him than if they try to also work in the she, her. But maybe I should challenge people, but... What do people assume your gender is? I... That's my favorite bit because lately I feel like I've been on the ball with that in that... And so I, I, I like am a cashier, and so I get a bunch of different genders from everybody every day. I I have like they'll they'll yes sir me, they'll yes ma'am me. It's facial hair depends. Like if I shave, I'm about equal in both categories. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll have stubble and they'll still yes ma'am me. Like I don't know. I get yes ma'am all the time, especially yeah. from behind. Wow, well, maybe, that, maybe that's a thing too, and like. I don't know, but yeah, I'm just people. People, I think they see me. They 
like composite a couple features that they see on me and they're like okay that fits into my woman category so we're gonna yes ma'am also or, like, like mannerisms like the way you carry yourself or move yeah and so I think like people you yeah, have a hard time telling like oh is this like a feminine gay man like like kind of a a weird butchy lesbian like mm-hmm. because like I, I don't know I'm I'm all over the place with that but you you appreciate that about yourself yeah it's like I, I appreciate that people can see the multiplicities <laughs> in yeah me, but yeah it's weird because it's like I also appreciate those things about myself but it's also one of the things I feel like makes my life more complicated. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's great. Yeah, because I, I don't know what to do about it professionally is the thing. It's easy when you're just dealing with people on the daily and you don't have to think about, like, I, this person want to really affect my life. I don't care if they call me, like, sir or ma'am. But, like, when you're doing things professionally, they care so much about, like, your persona. Mm-hmm. And so you got to have one nailed down and I still don't know where to go with that because, like, they normally, I feel like they want a story from you or something. Like, um, like if you're a graduate student and, like, you, you had surgery or whatever, you're, like, a trans man and that's your story and you got to stick to it and all that. And it's, it's part of your weird brand that you have professionally that all, all your, like, bosses and stuff have to know you by a certain name and you're like one set of pronouns so that it's easy for them to remember. Because mm. I think they start making your life harder if you get any more complicated than that. Like, What's or this? if you let people like interpret you more. It's this assumption that you shouldn't bring personal to work. Yes. But it's like, but everyone else gets to and they don't even have to like explain themselves. Literally. Yeah. If you're different, then you literally are just trying to say like, oh, by the way, like these are my pronouns. And they're like, don't make this about you. And you're like, oh, but... We know your pronouns. Yeah. I just wanted you to know my pronouns. Exactly. Like, um, I feel like there's this thing, if you're an outsider, you have to explain to them how you fit into their preconceived, like, notion of things. Yeah. Like, and it can be, like, annoying and, like, and worse when they, like, yeah, just want to, like, reject you or whatever based off. Like, sometimes I find, like, queer stuff, like, like, exclusionary in that sense when it's, like, oh, you know, like, it's a lesbian-only space or something. And I'm like, okay, who, how are you deciding who's a lesbian when they walk into this space? Yeah. Because, like, what, are you just, like, eyeballing it? Like, how are, you, how are you kicking people out in that sense? Like, how are you being exclusive? Or, like, I don't Have you know. been kicked out of a lesbian-only space? No, I have been harassed on Twitter by... Um, angry lesbians? Oh, yes, by angry lesbians. <laughs> yeah, young, angry lesbians. It was not worth the fight. I'm glad I deleted Twitter. Were they college freshmen? It was like their first. They were, they were younger than that, which was even more annoying. Cause like, I think I was like a freshman or sophomore at the time, and these lesbians were like harassing me because like I said something on Twitter about like, oh, some lesbians can be bisexual or some bisexual people can call themselves lesbians, and they like just erupted on me and they put me on like, oh, these like little no. Uh, oh, these are like lesbophobic like accounts or whatever. I put my account in the list and all that stuff. And I'm like, who are you people? And, yeah. And also, why are you wasting your time like this? Yeah, I, I catch myself like, I guess, trolling. Like, and if I read something that just I think is abhorrent, I have to say something. And I'm just like, do you have to say something? Like, the problem is when you engage with people, you're like making them a 
more of a part of your life. And if you don't want that shit, then why would you do that? So it's like literally, I'm I'm so glad I got out of queer spaces that are online like that. Yeah, like a lot of times they're just like that's where I have a mixed like I feel like I have mixed history with like labels because like I love labels because like you can make new words for new things that like you experience and then other people maybe experience similar things and now you have a name for that shared experience but other times labels are more about like also you are this thing and this is your new box in this new order we're making and like that kind of sucks because it's the repeat of like the same thing we already deal with i can't deal with like permanence at all like i have commitment issues and like one day I'll be like I'm queer and the next day I'll be like I'm non-binary and then I'll be like oh I don't feel non-binary yeah it's the same thing with like monogamy I'm like I'm non-monogamous and then sometimes I'm like I mean I'd have a boyfriend and date him and like whatever my god that's so good to hear I feel like I've been in that same space yeah I've been trying to figure out like am I monogamous or not and like it's weird because there are, there are people that like definitely like I hold above other people like when it comes to, like caring and I'm like and I would sacrifice like a relationship with another person if that was their boundary mm-hmm. kind of but also I'm like but I might not be with them forever like, yeah that's not a thing it's not a thing and I also like if I accidentally blow someone in a sauna like it's not that I don't love you yeah, that's... is that the dick was good literally I don't know that's been a weird thing, too. I was thinking about, like, oh, what's the separation sometimes between, like, love and sex and, like, all that. And, like, I feel like everyone that I, like, have had sex with, like, I love them a little bit, at least. Like, in, at least minimally in, like, the the human companion. Yeah. <laughs> like, way where I'm, like, I'm glad to have spent this time with you. Even if it didn't turn out great because there was that trucker guy. Like, <laughs> But well, like, everyone has, like, awkward or bad experiences, of course. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I, I think, like, I, I, like, loved everyone at least a little bit who I've slept with. I love that. I love, I mean, sex is tapping into this, like, universal consciousness or emotion or whatever. At least if you're getting it good, you know. Yeah, get that Carl Jung, um, what is that called? Um... Oh, collective uh, unconscious orgasm. <laughs> that sounds great. I want a Jungian orgasm. That's. I feel like you, that's when you have edibles and then orgasm. That's that's the collective unconscious. I want them young and hung. What? I was trying to make like a joke about Carl Jung. <gasps> oh, young and hung. hung. That'd be hot. That'd be a really good young and hung. Yeah, like a book title for a sex book using Carl Jung's, <laughs> like, But I'm afraid um, he might have been anti-Semitic. Probably something like that. Been I like don't know. He was kind of... Incestuous. Him and, him and Freud were a little funky weird, and they were... That was, that was, and they, they, I, in my mind, they occupied the same space. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know much about old Carl. Germans. Or were they Austrian? Is there a difference? It's <laughs> very different. Oh my god. Um, well, I'm, I've heard your writing. I like it a lot. I think I think that we have similarities in our work. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking that a little bit too. Where I was like, sometimes I feel like in, sometimes I feel like with my work, I focus a lot on like a punchline. 
even though it's not like it's not meant to be a joke all the time although I don't mind sometimes if people take my work as like oh it's supposed to be a little like fun it's funny yeah there's like, humor like it doesn't need to be all like serious or there's humor there's cuteness there's definitely like darker emotions yeah and I feel like maybe one of the things too is like I feel like you you speak to your audience like directly mm-hmm. like when you're performing too and like I want to do the same thing with my poetry where I feel like I'm not talking to like an imaginary audience or like I don't do that while playing a character up on the stage rather than just like being myself and I'm talking directly to the people in front of me like I don't know yeah I mean I feel like my whole career as a performer has just been like trying to get to be myself in front of like as my body of work like I don't want to because I'm, I'm an actor a singer dancer whatever like I'd like I like playing different roles too but I have to find myself in the role like I have to be myself it's just I don't think I could play a character that was like really far from me Maybe I could, but basically I, it's like, I could be Ursula, the sea witch or Malcolm X. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that would be so far away. Um, what else could I be? I could play non-gay roles. I actually played a Christian father in a play about three families coming together on Christmas Eve and they sang songs and it was a terrible play that um a man i know wrote and then he starred in it and he also directed it and he has um tinnitus or tinnitus so he can't hear like any pitches and it was a musical oh that's not a a great combination like unless did he do okay at all unless the song the whole song is which is like probably what he hears all the time then eh. no it was terrible but for Georgetown, it was great. Oh, yeah. And it was a very religious show. Like, and this guy said to me... Yeah, I feel like it's funny when you get the church crowds here because if you can, like, make it religious, I think they'll uh, overlook any amount of quality. It's like being so drunk and going home with someone and the next morning being like, oh, God, what did I do? It's like <laughs> if you put God in there, they are drunk on God. Literally. Well, so the guy said to me, because I, I was supposed to be singing a song about angels, and I said, why, why am I singing this song? I was like, why don't you sing this song? He's like, what? I was like, what? well... You told me that my character is going to sing it, but like, why doesn't your character just sing it? So I didn't want to sing it. And he was like, well, anyone could sing it. And I was like, yeah, I know. But you should <laughs> sing it. And he was like, well, no, but I just, I think that anyone could sing it because everyone believes in angels. <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not true. Sir. <laughs> Sir, that's not true. I'm not quite. <laughs> I believe in my spirit guides. And my ancestors, but not angels. I love that. That's like a very Christian thing that Christian people do that they don't like realize at all how they sound. Like when they're just like, well, you know, we all believe like in God, like a little bit, right? And it's like, uh, (laughs) um, not really. Not everyone, no. I know. Not everyone does. And thank God not everyone does. There's got to be some, you know, people that don't. Yeah, so living here, no sex, that... 
um, being queer, being gender, eh. That's my new thing. I'm gender, eh. Eh. I'm gendery. Gender. Genderish. I feel like, yeah. Do you say something? I'm just like gender. That's 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 it. Like I am gender. I'm gender. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, like, like I feel like um. That would explode my customers' brains if I said that to them. He, um, that was a joke that me and my friends came up with at one point. Was just like when we see characters or whatever that we like, we'll just be like, oh, like I'm stealing their gender. It's straight up, their gender lifted. <laughs> and yeah. Like you're a, like a bone collector, but with like people's gender. Yes. I think that's what I see it as. It's like a little, it's like a wardrobe. You get to mix and match like all these different genders of all these different people. It, it helps if you have people to model it after, but like, yeah. Or concepts. Like, I feel like you can just kind of take concepts and make genders out of them, but mm. I don't know. Which I guess is the whole idea behind, like, oh, some of those more obscure identities, like void gender or whatever. So do you consider yourself trans, or do you consider yourself kind of genderqueer, or what is your... It's like, I would use both, because, like, um, I'm very, like, whatever words help the most to help me connect with people in a conversation are normally the ones I use. So I guess I'm, I, yeah, I'm not very fluid on the labels too, so long as like it communicates the idea I'm trying to get across. So it helps a lot of people, transgender, help, I think for a lot of cis people too, at least let them, lets them know, oh, like you're different gender than you were at birth, got it. Like versus gender queer, they don't understand what that yeah. means. Like. I know sometimes I'm like, when I tell people I'm genderqueer, I think they just think that I'm playing like dress up or something. I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to shop in both sections at the Target. Yeah. I, I don't even know if they give it that much thought sometimes. Yeah. But like. <laughs> well, the new, okay, so the new thing that the, the right is like on about, they keep putting on these people who are like detransitioning. Oh, yeah, the detransitioners. They'll find like the two people out there doing it mm -hmm. and they'll be like, <laughs> Don't let your teenager get things like removed from their body. It's like they're not, first of all. Second of all, like And it's like that's a very personal thing, I think. For any of the D D transitioners to be like, Oh, I regretted doing this. Okay, like literally not a lot of other people do. Like barely uh, yeah. anybody else does. That's your problem. That is like also like and I you regretted did something about it good yeah. for you. And like everyone does things they regret. I regret that. so much. I mean, I've never been fisted, but I can tell you right now, I would regret it. <laughs> and it would definitely I'm, change the shape of things. Yeah. Things would never go back. I'm up there with that, too. Things would never close up again. I got my ears gauged, and now I have big buttholes on my ears. Well, it's not. They could be worse. It could be worse. I just had detached lobes to start with, so it's kind of like butthole ears. Well, I have never, I have never gazed super long at them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at my earlobes? Nah, yeah. People used to come up behind me and flick my earlobes, like, constantly. It was, like, a thing. Strange. I don't even think my ears... I'm not a touchy person, so, like, You're not a touchy person? No. I think I'm, I'm realizing that about myself. I'm like, hee-hee, I'm all, like, super friendly and touchy and stuff. And then, like, someone will hug me, and I'll be like... Recoil. Yeah, recoil. This is the first human contact I've had in months. And, like, which makes sex very interesting when it's, like, 
what am I in the mood for when it comes to touching? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Well, see, yeah, I love, I'm very touchy when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I've had a couple partners where, like, they'll fall asleep and I'll just, like, play with their body. And, like, yes. they, they're into it. They're, like, sleeping. They're into it. I but like I finding just, people's bones. Yeah, I like to find their bones. You're yeah. literally a bone collector. Yeah, I am a little... I'm, I'm stolen I'm, their gender now in their bones. I feel like I'm, like, a gonzo from the Muppets kind of creep a little bit sometimes. Where, like, I'm just a little creepy. But it's, like, cute. I'm glad everyone thinks it's cute. And you don't have that, like, downward turn, like, penis nose that Gonzo has. Sadly, no. I don't mind a penis that looks like that, but I'm glad my nose doesn't look like that. Oh, you wish you had a Gonzo nose? It's like a beak, right? It's very long. I think it's very, yeah. And I feel like... I could be, like, a half-bird person. I wouldn't mind, like, a Gonzo kind of, like, long beak situation. We should do, like, a game, like, where, not, like, right now, because I don't want to color anything, but, like, we could do a game where, like, everyone, without, like, Googling it, tries to draw a picture of what they think Gonzo's nose looks like. Oh, that would be good. And then we'll actually look at it, because my memory is not, you know how, like, memory is not what people used to think it was? Yes. I feel like I do that all the time, where I go, like, oh, this guy looks like, I know a guy that looks like um, Beaker. You know Beaker? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I wasn't wrong. That's <laughs> he like doesn't have an upper lip. He's like, oh. Oh my god. And I like looked it up, and I was like, okay, it's not what I thought it was, but he definitely does look like Beaker. Oh, I love that. Well, I see girls all the time, and I'm like, you probably don't remember Eureka's Castle. Did you ever see Eureka's no. Castle? That was on when I was like little, mm-hmm. but there was like a like puppets, and Eureka was like, she just kind of had like a. A weird nose. And I see girls all the time and I'm like, she looks like Eureka from Eureka's Castle. But yeah. Okay, so what was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you about that one piece that you like to read about kissing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the repeat piece. I feel like I, I, I do love that piece because like, oh, I want to get so personal about things. And I'm really testing the boundaries of, like, yeah, how can I be so personal, especially about, like, the people I know in my life, when where I'm performing it is, like, they live around me. They know the, they know some of the people, especially the queer community around here, too, being as small as it is. It gets out that, like, oh, like, this person read a poem about you, like, about kissing you, and it was negative. Um <laughs> Like, I wouldn't want that to, like, get out or whatnot. But also, like, I want to be real about it. Like, Well, you named some people, but... I named... And then for the second one, because I wasn't sure if um, some of them were going to show up, I changed the names to locations. Um, oh. But... I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think like, you can... There can be some anonymity in your work like that. I actually kind of like the idea of using locations. Yeah. It ended up working out because, like, uh, the locations were actually really, um, they, they, had a, they had a good bit of meaning behind each. I didn't just choose random locations. But I remember thinking, like, Myrtle Beach sounded better than it is. Yes. Um, I was like, wait, I think that he hates Myrtle Beach. Why? It's funny because, like, now I'm in this weird hate love with Myrtle Beach where I think it's just like living with parents. <laughs> like Myrtle Beach in that like I I love the I love it and I appreciate it and like 
been there for so long that I know a bunch about it, but also do I not want it in my life? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, I do not want to be here. <laughs> it's like, so hard. I feel the same way. Like I, I want to move like far, far away. And I, in fact, I might have to, or I might literally die. Like I might just die of not. Like, and that's the thing I always hear from people in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> that yeah. Exactly. I might I, die if I don't leave. I have not heard a single person be like, oh, I live in Myrtle Beach and I like love it here and like I'm going to stay here. Or or like I was talking to a coworker the other day who like, yeah, he was like, oh, I'm never moving again in my life or whatever. And I'm like, oh, what's like the best place you've lived? Because he lived in a couple places. And he was like, Southern California, no doubt. And so I was like, he just kind of admitted that like Myrtle Beach sucks, but he's staying here because there is a better place or yeah. place that he considers better. But like, well, we can't always afford the places that we consider better. Exactly. Yeah. And also, California is like about to fall into the ocean at a new point. Yeah. I really believe that. Burn. I could never live there. <laughs> They're so crazy, and I know because I I lived in New York, so I know. LA people who move to New York thinking like LA is not for me. They move to New York and like more than half of them end up moving back to LA because they just can't handle like the darkness of New York and like the Interesting. like there's a, the coasts have a different like the two psychology. Coasts. Yeah, they're so different, and it's so weird because I like yeah I feel like I've been all up and down the East Coast by now, um, and like I have friends from like New York and such. Yeah. I, I went. I went and visited Syracuse just a month or two ago, and like got to get back in that northern feeling. But I'm like, wow, the coast really is. It's funny because the north thinks they're better than the south, but like, really, it's all old buildings, old money, old ways up and down the coast. No mm -hmm. matter kind of where you go. I'm hearing so much too about like, like I didn't know that there was like a ton of like plantation slavery in Rhode Island at one time. Yeah, and Maryland had our had our um, we we had our round Your share. That. <laughs> right. But like as far north as Rhode Island, I was like, fuck. And like yeah. also like um I mean, there were slaves all up and down, I'm pretty sure. Oh fuck. But also like um I'm just learning more and more about all these different like like I I was learning about like in Chicago in nineteen nineteen there was like a huge like massacre of a bunch of like the black community there mm -hmm. um, because like a black kid was like in the water at the beach in like Michigan and like floated to the white beach yeah. and like they killed him. Yep. And then there was like a quote unquote riot and then the white people massacred all the black people or like a bunch of them. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God. And like, in Chicago. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like that's all over the country too that like this stuff happened. I mean that that that's America. <laughs> I know, but like it's like we, we think it's like so restricted to the Bible belt and like in the South. The South but yeah. It's really not. We are not we are literally not educated about everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I I will give the North one thing is like their education is better. Like, the the South is pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I've from my experience, that is true. I went well, okay, so I moved to Tennessee when I was like in fourth grade, and then eight months later, we literally moved, just moved back to Michigan. And so, like in one year, I saw two different school systems in the same grade, and I was like, 
my school in Tennessee was literally like a year or two behind in everything. Yes. See, that's how I felt when I came down here. I felt like I really have not been pushed intellectually since I've come down here yeah. because like I got here and the schools were really easy for some reason. And that likely is wise because they were like far enough that like, it just put me in AP classes for me to be doing barely anything. Versus, like, I remember back in Maryland, like, I was taking an engineer course my, like, sophomore um, year, but they didn't have anything like that down here. Not my sophomore year, freshman year up there. And then I came down here and, like, I don't know, I joined choir because I didn't know what to do. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, but then, like, I just shot straight in the AP of everything because literally the AP students were the only ones who were actually trying to, to, like, push themselves versus, Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I feel like nothing was like in depth in the history that I learned here was one of the things that the history classes were definitely super different from up north. Yeah. Because like we actually learned about like racial history and I probably wouldn't have known who Malcolm X was for a while if I didn't learn it from that class up in north in the north. Um, yeah. I took like American history. I learned from that class in the north that like um, Hawaii was a um, yeah that we like invaded Hawaii and they framed it like that. Versus, like, down here, like, they didn't talk about anything like that. Oh, yeah. We fucking stole that shit. Yeah. There was a there was a Hawaiian royal family. Literally. Like, Hawaii like, literally what? should not be part of the United States. And I, always, I, was always, I was like, that's so messed up that, like, we just take that so for granted that, like, it's a state. Yeah. I refuse to, like, go there. I'm like. Yeah, same. They I'm, do not need me. Yeah. I think it's, like, a thing that, like, they requested that people don't. So I was, like, you know, I'm going to respect that. I know certain people don't, but, like, I feel I like know. I feel like you're just Brazilian enough to be able to go, though. <laughs> it's just got, I got the, the tropical tempo. Yeah. The tropical pass. Yeah. I feel I feel weird in other, I, I already sometimes don't feel like I belong in Brazil when I go. But, like, I feel weird in other tropical countries anyway. Like, because, like, I speak... I speak Portuguese and Spanish, sure, but, like, more broken than, like, the natives. Do you so, think like, you have, like, an accent to them? Yeah, they know that, like, I'm American, but I'm technically from there. Yeah. It's, like, it's a really weird position to be in, like, as an immigrant. Because, like, here it's, like, weird, too, because, like, people can tell I'm of color <laughs> normally. Um, but that's what's so funny, like, in places yeah. like Brazil... There's there's races so like it's completely mixed up. Different, yeah. I mean, I'm sure white presenting people probably do better statistically, even in those countries. Because there's still racism. Yeah. But like the racial categories are way. Um, I was actually studying um Brazil's history for like some stuff. Um, and one of the things is that they pushed for it to be like that, partially so that Brazil could be like more nationally like put together which was a stage for a military coup at one point (laughs) that they were like oh we're all one race right and that was state propaganda we're brazilian yeah we're brazilian and then though after that whole military thing fell apart it's still that's still the idea that's like in brazil is like oh you know was that bolsonaro that did that no it's earlier this is way earlier than that yeah i think this was the 80s i mean it's like nationalism yeah yeah so like, unified in, in a way that we can like be you know attack the other people and we're yeah. one unit which is the negative bit of it it's really nice in that like i go there i have family that's like all shades darker and whiter than me um 
And it's really nice to like, I don't know, just see people for people and not have to think about like race, race. I don't know all the time when I'm interacting with them. Mm-hmm. But cause like, I feel like there's a way bigger, like strict divide in America. Between, I think that's like, hard for white people to understand. Yeah. Like going to a family gathering and seeing different colors of people. Yeah. Like I didn't understand that when I was, I remember watching the Jeffersons once and they had an episode where like their neighbors were black, but they had one son who like passed as white. And it was like, the episode was kind of about that. Mm. And I was like, huh? Like, how is there one son that looks white? Like, yeah. didn't make sense to me. I think, it, yeah, it's very confusing for, for, yeah, white people to, like, see these, like, mixed families. That's why I really like, like, movies, like, um, because uh, it become, it's becoming, like, I think somewhat as America is embracing its, like, Latino heritage more, like, you see more Latino representation happening on screen and like Spider-Verse had a really good scene when they had like the rooftop party. Um, spoilers, I guess, for Spider-Verse too. Um, but like they have a rooftop party and like Miles' family is Puerto Rican, I think. And so they're mixed race like all around. And it's a very, I don't, I really like how they set up that scene. It was like very realistic, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's what it's like, like going back home um but yeah it's got its positives and positives and its negatives negatives because how can you like talk about race constructively too when you don't have a way to talk about it is the issue in brazil um that like if we're all one race why are some people still treated worse because of their skin color which is absolutely it's like saying you're colorblind yeah Ugh, my coworker says that she's like i don't see color and she probably is saying it somewhat as a joke, but I, and I literally said to her, I was like, no, you do. <laughs> I was like, please don't say that. And yeah. she said it to a black person that works with us. And I was like, don't, please don't say that. Like, you know that Sandra's black. You yeah. know that very well. And the weird thing is what I always hear when I like hear that is, I think you're basically white is yeah. like what that translates to for at least like a, a person of color like me that I'm like when people say that. <laughs> I will say this same coworker is like hot for black guys. Like anytime there's like an attractive younger black guy, she's like, oh, he was very handsome. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, why don't you just divorce your husband? You should have had, should have waited a little bit before you got married and like sown your wild oats or whatever they say, <laughs> jumped on some D and then marry your husband. Take a break. Take a break from your husband. Posey, go say hi. You're so silly. Oh, puppy. I think I scared her. I, I wanted to do little doggy. Oh, that looks exactly like her head. Yay. You just made a chihuahua head on, with your hand. Posey, no, be nice. Be nice. See, this isn't like, I don't know what dog language means, but this is like, this is her stem. Like she's, she like she just can't. She needs to see you, but she doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like she's a little like anxious. Oh yeah. yeah. I of course I would have the most anxious dog. I'm pretty anxious all the time. Tosi, just don't make noise. Silence yourself. We don't want your voice. I didn't ask to interview you. Yay. You just got to let her chill out a little bit. That's, that's like a, it's weird. I feel like this is like the most anxious animal I've like been around, which is to, to say a lot because like, I used to work in a barn, <laughs> which was a whole You used thing. to work in a bar? 
Yeah, a barn. Oh, a barn. Yeah. And I, like, had to take care of animals there. And, like, that was that was an interesting period of my life. Okay, because this barn was in a one of those Christian camps I got sent to when I was, like, 15. Um, yeah, very, very... Like, just short of a conversion camp. <laughs> okay. Just barely. Um, but... This was in South Carolina? No, this was in Pennsylvania. They oh, sent Jesus. We lived in Maryland. They sent me to Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> they so you were, like, living with the Amish? Literally. That's what... Because it was, like, its own isolated community on the top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing was that they volunteered their kids as volunteers to work up there for... To also, like, have the um the rich like parents send their real young kids there to like ride horses and learn about god and have summer camp like things um but then like yeah you could just volunteer your kid as a volunteer to like take care of the other kids and work in the kitchen or landscape or um the barn so like i convinced them to let me go to the barn it was very, I feel like that was a very early non-binary thing for me where I was like, I don't want to work in the kitchen anymore. I want to work in the barn. <laughs> this whole thing sounds terrible. I feel like this is going to be like the next Paris Hilton like trauma novel. Honestly. Th- Were you abducted in the middle of the night and taken out of your bed? No. Oh. I, I wasn't happy going. I can't remember if I was crying in the car or not, but it was like definitely up to those levels. But like... It was it was a fascinating because that's the first time I was ever away from home for like um, five weeks. They left me there, um, and that was like, yeah, maybe not great to drop off like your autistic like fifteen year old who's got like gender and queer issues like at the Christian Bible camp and just hope everything goes fine. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I wasn't molested because <laughs> I think about that all the time. That I'm like, there were probably like sexual predators there, like crazy because yeah. like it's a camp isolated with children with all these adults running stuff and you have church every night and it's like it's a super zealous environment i'm like some kids were definitely getting molested there yeah um i probably just wasn't close enough to any of the adults i like spent all my time alone there they would have these like sermons every night you had to go to service and like and they woke us up at like the crack of dawn too was your family like catholic they were Catholic and then became became an even, what evangelical. Evangelical. Even yeah. worse. Yeah, honestly, I've been thinking about that a lot where I was like, man, I kind of preferred when we were Catholic because, like, I don't know. I felt like there was some respect of, like, Catholics are like, I don't know, human life or something. Evangelicalism is, like, basically just a cult. Like, it's 100%. such a cult. And it's, it's all about American nationalism and white supremacy. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, literally. It's like, yeah, way more white. And versus like Catholicism at least had like, I'm like, you could, you could be Latino and be Catholic. Like you, you had other ethnicities in the Catholic like realm. I don't think I've met like evangelists who are like really like other races or other cultures. I mean, there's some, but it's, I mean, they're like, the token people of color in the church. They're like, oh, look, we have a black family. We're not racist. Literally. There's a reason why they're there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really fucked up. And actually, I legitimately think that I've encountered evil while living here that's, like, disguised as, like, Christian. And I've never encountered evil like this before. Like, it's... 
I'm curious, what, what, what do you mean by evil? I'm always... It, it sucks when, when I hear about real accounts of, like, evil, evil, but, like... I mean, I don't like to call things evil, and I would never be, yeah, like... because I think it's a very strong word, so when I hear it, I, like, know. I think it's, like, um, people who who really, really act like they're, like, followers of Jesus, and it's, like, nothing you're about would be what Jesus is about. Yes. Or was about. And that was, I feel like it's so funny because that's where my falling out with the church happened was when I was really young in Catholic church. I remember that's exactly why I like started having like doubt in, in like faith and all that stuff was because I'd go to sermons and then like priests would be like telling us to do this stuff or whatever, mm-hmm. the pastor. Um, and then I'd go home and my parents are doing something completely different yet they like are completely devout or whatever. And then, like, just watching this pattern with everyone in my family, like, everyone around me, and I'm being like, y'all don't, like, actually believe any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, is the weird thing that, like, you hold on to it so tight for, like, some of the power and community it can give you, but then, like, you don't listen, like, at all. So I was like, something, like, is off. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I, I encountered the same thing with my family, but I just was like, oh, my family's horribly flawed and dysfunctional. Like, they want so badly to be good people, but they're just, like, having a really hard time of it. Yeah. But then I come here, and I see people who are legitimately just doing evil shit to other people. And it's, like, it's also the time we're in, too. But then you hear about, like, the generations and generations of, like, evil shit being done to people. And it's just, like, uh... But I'm afraid that I'm just seeing it more now. And if I went back up north, I'd be, like, Oh, it's everywhere. Yeah, I think it kind of, it does end up being like that. Like, <laughs> I feel like living in the South is good for getting those, like, the rosy goggles of, like, America off. Like, mm-hmm. and then seeing it for, like, I think, like, America sometimes in its, like, purest form of, like, nationalism and stuff is here. But then, like, you leave and you're like, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I got out of there. And then you look around and you're like, hold on, why is, like, why are things, like, kind of the same? Yeah. like like when i went across we drove to colorado and like yeah the more the further we got away like the more different things became but yeah the more they were the same and i was like what like like we went to this little town in colorado and i like got up there and i was like wait it's super white here and i was like and like i wonder why that is and like the property stuff going on here and all that and i'm like oh my god like how different is it really from the south like yeah like i actually considered moving to vermont when I was in New York, I was like, in at the time, they were like offering like nine thousand dollars for people to just like move to Vermont. Oh, nice! And I was like, I'll do that. <laughs> and then I was like looking at the cold ethnic, you know, statistics, and it was like one percent non-white or like three percent non-white. Because Vermont's like founding father, old money. <laughs> and it's just like, and there's a lot of liberals there, but like they're like. Oh, yeah. The kind of white liberals that are like, hi, you're black. We love you. You're black. Come talk to us. You're black. It's like, oh, stop talking to me. Yep. I mean, I'm not black, but yeah. I feel like that's like, I was like thinking of something. Um, it, it reminds me of kind of the, the interactions I've had with like liberal professors and like kind of like some liberal teachers and whatnot, where it's like, I don't feel like I'm a person still in their like, eyes or whatever if I'm like a because they're viewing me as like both different race and like this weird gender fucked up person (laughs) um 
and I feel like I'm less of a person and more of like a pet in a way to them that like if I do something like bad they're gonna like like turn around and like blame it on like my upbringing or whatever or like these these things that make me different or whatever you feel like you're being studied yeah kind of like being studied yeah and that like whatever like acceptance they have is like not unconditional <laughs> mm. or like or that they're they're really not all that accepting i guess when you really get down to like the brass tacks of like let's be radical and they're like no 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 <laughs> Not that radical. Yeah. Like, that's what I really like um, about your, like, your, your stand-up and all that is, like, also that you're, like, just willing to go there with that crowd with, like, sexuality and, like, stuff. And, like, I, it was, like, so refreshing because, like, I, even in my, like, circle, my little radical friends or whatever, like, they're still, like, so petrified of talking about, like, sexuality in any open, radical way. And I'm, like, yo. It's hard. And I mean... Honestly, I went to that venue expecting to see, like, a bunch of truckers. But, like, <laughs> what you end up seeing is, and this is all over this town, is, like, wealthy country-ass people. Like, white country people. Like, yeah. they all they ever wear is, like, either golf clothes or fishing clothing. I hate the golf culture of Myrtle Beach. Or, like, Beach. tennis clothes. I think that's clothes. my number one thing I hate the most about Myrtle Beach is the golf. Yeah, it's so, it's so terrible. Golf is a terrible sport. Literally. Maybe at one time it was good, but like maybe when there was like one golf course per county, but now there's like twenty. Go golf is like golf is like, you know, in those like oh British period films where you see the rich people playing like a game, like that's golf. Like that's golf's origins. Like yeah. is the rich people like playing a game that like they're not really enjoying too, but they're just like kind of enjoying. It's like a status thing because that's like all that golf is. Like ugh. I can't, I, I did like a research paper on Myrtle Beach, like in the golf industry around here too. And like, it's abysmal because it is just like, oh, did you know that um, our governor McMaster actually was part of a club that didn't allow Jewish people in? That makes sense. Yeah. And you know, he has a beach house down the street from me. <gasps> Whoa. You should go. Yeah, we can go visit. Can Probably visit. never goes there, but. Probably. Um, yeah. There's two beach houses of politicians I now know about. Oh shit! Because um, Harry Ki Henry Kissinger, huh? like George Bush guy, Iraq War question mark. Is there a current Henry Kissinger? Is that there is a, a historical figure named Henry Kissinger? Is that not the guy? Am I saying the wrong guy? I don't know. I'm very I'm very good at saying the wrong name. I'm also very bad with. I names. think you've resurrected someone. Maybe there is there is a the like oh one of those like war criminal types. He also has a beach house here. Oh yeah. I feel like it was Kissinger, but I'm not sure. I'm sure there's been many Kissingers that were war criminals. <laughs> um, well, so what was I going to say about that? Um, when I was expecting to see that type of person, like just like white country folk that were like wealthy at that restaurant, when I went to do the open mic. And when I walked in and it was just like a bunch of queer people and like people of color, I was like, oh my God, like this is wonderful. Yeah. Like I wasn't gonna do open mic. Like I had not prepared anything. Wow. And I just I'm had notes from like other things I've done. But then I did it and it was great. And then I went back. Also, I found out that I have to be a stand up comedian because like I have a closet full of clothes. I don't have anywhere to wear them. Like I, I buy outfits, like, thinking, like, 
oh, I, I can't wait to wear this, but I just need like one really good event to wear it to. Oh, yeah. And I'll probably never wear it again. That's like perfect for comedy. Literally. Yeah. I feel like that's why I like, yeah, I like these like performances and like having places to go to because I have that same thing where I'm like, I have, I have to be like looking like decadent. Like I gotta, I, I like looking like gender fucked, but like really, really pretty at the same time. Like I can't let go of my vampire old money aesthetic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, per, that performance was, uh, that was a, that was a good time to just whip out a bunch of stuff that I, I, I like the, those pants that I wore. I've had them for five years now, maybe worn them like four times. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have so many pieces like that. Oh. Thanks for coming on the show, Luciana. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> Anytime. Um, I know I want to like make more of a queer community and like have more like forums for like discussion <laughs> and art and shit like that. Yeah, and Myrtle Beach really, really needs that because like, I think there is a lot of art here. There's a lot of, like, despite everything, there are a lot of queer people. There are a lot of minorities living here. They just kind of, like, I feel like they just squirrel away, like, under the cracks. Like, yeah. And we don't know that we exist because we don't have places to go out and be with each other other than, like, a couple bars. <laughs> well, and that's convenient for, like, the cis, white, straight people is if, like, when queer people arise, if they, if they banish them, if they leave and go to the big cities or whatever, like that's just better for them. They don't have to deal with them. But like, I think what people need to do is like, we need to start staying. Like just, you want this to be a queer community. Like you just have to stay. Yeah. And that and, was something I battled with for a while with being here with the, I was like, do I really want to leave? Cause I like almost felt bad. Like I'm abandoning it. Yeah, like the, I still want to leave. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, like Myrtle Beach. Like, maybe after I've traveled the world and I have no place better to go and it's cooler here, I would come back. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Well, thank you so much, Luciana, once again for coming on the show. And I'm going to read your piece, Kisses, directly following uh, the outro here. So everyone stay tuned to hear that beautiful poem. And um, you guys, please, please rate, review, subscribe. It's literally the only way that we can stay on the air. Please rate, review, subscribe. You can email us at makesexwithmepodcast at gmail.com. And in the show notes, if you want to check out our social media platforms, find that link tree there in the show notes. And um, you guys, as per usual, I hope that you are all filling your holes with whatever makes you happy. Bye-bye! Kisses. To kiss Myrtle is to kiss and know you are in a line of those kissed before. You are being kissed with practice and poise. They have figured how to have the most of their fun with a kiss, 
And now that they have this practiced rhythm, anyone will do to have the forever makeout session. But that makes you feel even better because they told you that you're a good kisser. Myrtle, the first one you ever kissed. The master praising the student who once came meagerly to their bed and let them know how frightened they were of the simple thing. The master who smiled and gently let you come closer to close the gap and change your life with this rebel connection. Columbia kisses desperately. It's like having a conversation, one where you have said, I think I should be kissing you, and they are saying, yes, 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 I completely agree. And they agree and agree and never argue, missing the conversation as soon as it ends. That is what it's like to kiss Columbia. To be kissed with fever and passion is to kiss Georgetown. Kissed like he really means it. He is kissing you, and he is not kidding about it. It's unreal and completely real in how now it is. It is exhilarating and exhausting being so serious about that embrace, but it always comes up to nothing short of something to chase after, even if they pull away. You say, come back, because I'm not finished being serious yet, as you chase those lips. I've had others, young lesbians who were so soft and pleading, but who are too scared to push back into me, queer men who spit all over and shove their tongue into your mouth. I've tasted cigarettes and weed smoke from truckers and ravers. I've locked lips with dysphoria-addled country T-boys and RV-driving city-traveling E-girls. I've kissed pussy and dick and beard and ear and stomach and breast. I've traveled leagues with my mouth, leaving a trail of lovers behind me, some scorched earth and others good memories. I've kissed so many, but it doesn't stop me from wondering what it's like to kiss you.